Hello, I'm Mark, and this is the Fast Track Impact podcast, where we look at how researchers can become more productive and use their work to achieve real-world impacts. So today we're going to uh, dive back into the topic of motivations, uh, this idea that if you truly understand your motivation, then you can become more productive and more efficient. Uh, this is a third uh, in a, a week collection that, uh, that I've done now, uh, looking at one of the chapters in my new book, uh, which is titled The Productive Researcher. Uh, and the key point today is to think about how you can very quickly and reliably access your most empowering motives linked to your values in situations where you are put on a, under stress or where you really need to make a very quick decision. Very often it's these quick decisions that become career-defining, life-changing, uh, and if we have not been able to access those motives, we may well end up regretting uh, the decision and the direction that it takes us in. But before we get into that, I would like to start with my tip of the week. My tip this week is introducing yourself for impact. Now, uh, all of us have a lot of choices in front of us when we meet a new person for the first time in terms of how we might go about introducing ourselves to that person. Yeah, you've got your name. Yeah, you've got where you come from. But actually, who are you? What is your, uh, your identity, your credibility, your credentials? Um, how do you decide which part of your CV to kind of pull out to say, this is who I am, this is why you should potentially listen to me? Uh, this was a question that was uh, recently asked to me uh, by someone from uh, the centre that funds my chair position, uh, N8 Agri-Food. Uh, we have a, a collection of a dozen Knowledge Exchange fellows uh, that myself and a colleague in Liverpool are helping to, to manage and lead, who are trying to do Knowledge Exchange, but essentially to develop impact in this agri-food area. Um, and uh, one of our fellows came to me and was saying, look, I've got this meeting with this really big chemical company coming up. Um, I'm really trying to work out how to start this, how to introduce myself. And I'm really worried that I don't come across in the right way. The problem that she has is, is twofold. One is that she is kind of starting out in this particular area. She's got a lot of expertise, uh, but she's kind of moving, kind of discipline hopping to an extent uh, with this particular particular project. Uh, the other issue uh, is that she is concerned that she's not got a track record with industry or with this company, and she needs to somehow kind of open a door and, and really get in there. Uh, and essentially, I think this uh, exemplifies the two kind of issues that we all face when we decide how to introduce ourselves. We're trying to balance uh, trust and credibility. Uh, we want that person to hopefully instantly trust us. So they're open to talking to us and, and to listening to us and collaborating. Um, and the second issue is, is that we need them to believe that we're credible enough to actually take notice of what we might be saying or suggesting or wanting to do with them. Uh, and the first issue is trust. For me, to do that, you need to, as quickly as possible, open a, a channel of empathy. 
and for me, that is the thing that comes first, because if you haven't opened that channel of empathy, it doesn't matter how many credentials you put in front of them. Actually, you're going to probably repel them more than anything else because you're going to come across probably slightly big headed. Um, so this is about now trying to find some common ground, something that is a common interest that uh, where you are like each other. Um, and just that, that whole kind of small talk thing. And, and that is actually really important. And for me, if I've got a really big meeting with someone really important, influential that I need to be able to, to, to connect with, then I'm thinking actively about how can I strategically open that channel of empathy with this person and hopefully engender some level of trust. Very quickly after that, though, uh, you need to establish the fact that you are, in fact, credible, uh, that you're not just some random bandit person that is striking up a conversation with them because you're nice, um, that actually you're here for a purpose and uh, there's a reason as to why you are here and why you are pitching these ideas. Uh, and that can be really hard because you may come across as big-headed if you don't get this right. Uh, and so this is about trying to find a natural way from those kind of small talk topics of conversation into aspects that make you credible. Um, so, for example, as I just said, I, my chair is funded by this organisation called N8. This is the eight northern uh, research-intensive universities in the in the Russell Group. Um, and so a natural topic of conversation when I'm meeting people is, well, how did you get here, etc. And um, I, I live in Scotland and I work in England. Um, and so uh, th there's conversations about travel and where people live, quite natural, natural kind of initial topics of conversation. And as part of that, I then get in the fact that I've got a chair position which is funded by uh, the N8, these, these eight northern uh, research-intensive universities. Uh, and instantly now, without having to introduce myself as, hello, I am Professor Mark Reed, uh, I've got into the conversation that I am a professor, uh, and I'm not just a professor at a Russell Group institution, I am a professor that is actually shared across eight of these well-known brand name institutions. Um, and fairly uh, indiscreetly, uh, sorry, fairly, fairly discreetly <laughs> um, uh, and quite easily, I've managed to get into the conversation something, uh, a little indicator that suggests that, that I'm probably worth listening to, um, but in a way that doesn't put people off, that doesn't make people think, oh, wow, this person's really um, up himself. Uh, that's part of this. Uh, very often, I think the, the kind of question that you have to deal with is, is not in that one to one type situation. You're actually in a situation where you've got to pitch. Um, and so my colleague was coming to me and she was, she was saying, well, OK, that's part of it. But actually, they've asked me to do a presentation about my work. Uh, how do I actually just go into a presentation and achieve these two things? Uh, and one of the things that we discussed was your job title. Uh, and uh, I recently listened to a podcast um, with uh, a gentleman called Ricardo Semler. Uh, this was Tim Ferriss, uh, who was interviewing him. Uh, and uh, he suggested something fairly radical. Uh, and this is probably a little bit too radical for, for most of us, probably even me. Um, but uh, he described how in his company, he said, look, to all his employees, I want you to all decide what your job description is and what you're doing. And you can all have a business card. Uh, and I want you to choose what is going to be the most powerful thing that you can put that will help you to achieve your goals in my company on your business card. And so he said, look, if you are a trainee marketing assistant, 
uh, and you think that having a car that says vice president marketing and sales is that what is actually going to get you the sale that I need, then call yourself vice president marketing and sales. I don't care. That's fine. As long as I get the results. Now, uh, there's an element here of, of integrity, of honesty. Uh, to me, that's going a step beyond what I'm personally comfortable doing. Uh, but the point is that actually I can describe myself in multiple ways. We can all describe ourselves in multiple ways. Uh, and for my colleague, I was suggesting, well, uh, you are a knowledge exchange fellow. Uh, for most people, that means nothing. Uh, and in some cases, that might actually disempower you because they think, well, you do knowledge exchange, you don't do research, therefore you can't be an expert. And actually, if you think that's the case, then describe yourself as I am an expert in X and Y uh, and back that up. Uh, and you don't even need to mention your precise job title if you feel that in that particular context, your job title might be disempowering or perhaps, in my case, very often intimidating. So pick and choose uh, how you're going to do this uh, in a way that will not intimidate people um, and that will actually open that channel of empathy and trust at the same time as giving you the, the credibility that, uh, that you need. Uh, in a presentation mode, uh, it is fairly hard. You've got, I would say, your first 10 seconds pretty much to do both of those things. Uh, so people are sitting up and taking those notice and thinking, you know what, I want to listen to this. I'm going to get something really important out of this. Uh, and this person is worth listening to. I'm going to get something that, that I'm going to value out of this. Um, uh, if you want to find out more about how to do this in presentation mode, then I recommend uh, having a look at uh, the standard article that I've written in the free open access uh, issue one of the Fast Track Impact magazine. So now to the main segment. I want to dive a bit deeper into this idea of how your motivation can empower you to achieve more, become more productive, become more efficient. The problem that I myself have experienced is that uh, very often it's when I have to make a snap decision or when I am under stress or duress that uh, I am most in need of connecting with my values and my underpinning motives and when I find it most hard to actually do that. Uh, in a moment of stress, we may make a decision that further skews our time away from the things that are most important to us. Uh, okay, in a moment, I really want to impress this person. I really want to keep this person happy. Uh, okay, yes, yes, of course, I'll do that. And then weeks, months later, I'm still doing this really annoying task and it is taking away from the time I have for the things that are most fundamentally important to me. And that thing, that snap decision to make that person happy uh, is actually really demotivating me for weeks and for months. Sometimes that snap decision ends up changing the course of our lives. In those few seconds, all manner of subconscious motives may rise to the surface and make us come to a decision that we end up regretting. Sometimes I think we feel that we have little or no choice in the decisions that we, that we make. Uh, it may be that it's, it's in your job description to spend, times, spend time doing things that uh, take you further and further away from who you really want to be and what you really fundamentally want to be doing with your career, with your life. Uh, if you really do have no choice and it is your job that is the main cause of your dissonance, then I would argue that you should take a long, hard look at your career options. I think, however, most of us uh, as researchers 
do have some degree of choice over the things that we're asked to do. I mean, this is one of the perks of the job, why people love doing research, is that you have that, that self-determination. In most cases, or maybe in some cases, I should say, you can delegate tasks to someone else who often actually wants to do the things that you don't want to do. Uh, in fact, it's, this may actually be an opportunity for them to prove themselves uh, something that they can put on their CV that isn't worth much to you, but could be worth a lot to, to them. Uh, uh, and you can find ways of, of tackling uh, the task as a team with other people. So you're kind of sharing things out and it reduces the impact it has on your time and on you as an individual. It's a real win-win. Usually, the requests that are made of us and the decisions that we sub subsequently have to make do not actually arise from our job description. They are, typically, uh, a desire to please others, our boss, our peers, the people we look up to. And the cumulative effect of uh, an instinctive desire to just say yes and help out with every demand that is made of us is, in my experience, usually negative at least for us. Most of us either work far longer than is good for our health or our relationships to squeeze all those extra demands into our working day, or we allow the things that are most important to us that nobody else is demanding us to do to get squeezed out. As a result, I think we often end up spending our working lives fulfilling other people's dreams, and we put our own dreams on hold. Just saying no may not make you many friends, but explaining why you are saying no can go a long way towards enabling people to actually accept your position and say, okay, that's fine. I'll ask someone else. When you start saying no to people, you will be surprised how many people are actually perfectly happy to accept this and find someone else to help them with the problem. Of course, I'm not advocating that we all become totally self-absorbed and disregard the needs of our colleagues and our students. As cooperative beings, most humans have a strong and natural urge to help others. It's about balance, though. If balanced appropriately with our own priorities, time spent in these parts of our identity can be highly rewarding. You don't have to spend the majority of your working day prioritising your own stuff. But if you make a habit of prioritising the things that are most important to you on a regular basis, it can make an enormous difference to your sense of, of just job satisfaction on a daily basis. You feel like you're making progress, that it was a good day. Even although I spent the vast majority of my day doing stuff that I really didn't like, I made progress towards my, my fundamental goal. I did something that was of value to me. Even if it's only 10 minutes of structured thinking time and note-taking uh, or an hour per week writing my book, that's all it takes to give you the sense of progress of moving forward uh, and having that balance and that you're not just spending your entire life uh, chasing other people's dreams. When you're put on the spot, it can be really hard to make decisions that you feel happy with in the long run. And so what I really want to think about now is how you can avoid spending the rest of your career chasing everyone else's dreams uh, and find really easy shortcuts to the lessons that you've learned about yourself, hopefully from the last couple of uh, uh, episodes of this podcast. Uh, and the thing that I'm going to suggest is that you create some kind of guiding principle or, or motto 
uh, or metaphor even, that you can hold in front of you at all times, ready to recall to the forefront of your consciousness as soon as you're faced with a challenging situation or decision. What you're doing here is you're creating a direct line to your most powerful motives, which you'll be able to access in the middle of the storm, no matter how disorientated and confused you might feel in the heat of the moment. And rather than powering down at the moment you need the strongest resolve, you can connect to an empowering motive or a set of empowering motives that help you to make decisions that you ultimately feel proud of and you can live with for the long term. So what I need you to do um, is to have a think through uh, what you've learned from the last couple of uh, episodes. If you haven't uh, listened to them, I uh, recommend going back uh, two episodes um, and listening to those two. But uh, in sum, what we've done is, is, have, to, is have a look at your identity uh, and your values uh, and link that then to your job role. Uh, and if you can sum up then that aspect of your identity uh, as it links to your values as it links to your role in a single, memorable, empowering word, phrase, or concept, then you have the shortcut that you need to help you to make the decision that you feel happy with ultimately in the long term. Uh, so for me, uh, it's a word. And that word uh, is the word that uh, infuses everything that I do. Uh, my last book, uh, the spin-out company that I run, Fast Track Impact, my training, uh, all of my research projects, that word is empathy. What I'm going to do next is to suggest that you can turn that word into uh, something more kind of easy to, to remember that will more instantly just kind of snap into your memory. Uh, and the idea is to turn this into some kind of, uh, of motto or metaphor or image. Uh, so uh, for me, uh, what I've got then is uh, the, the idea, uh, well, in fact, it's a motto is what I've got. Um, and it is knowledge through love, love through knowledge. Uh, so my work is all about generating new knowledge as a researcher, clearly, but actually it's about knowledge exchange and impact in whatever research project or context I'm working in. I'm doing it because I want to make a difference to deserts or peat bogs or whatever it is um, that, that I'm working on. Um, and it's connected then to um, a, a value, love or, or empathy. Um, and for me, this is something that I've memorized, which is there that I can recall at any point so that I'm presented with a decision, with a, kind of a fairly panicked situation, what am I going to do? Um, I bring that motto to mind. Um, it links then to this this core word, this core um, concept for me, empathy, uh, and it connects through to my identity, to my role, and instantly, great, there's the answer. That's what I'm going to do. And I'm going to say no to this, but I'm going to say yes to that. Um, some people, it's, it's a visual metaphor, um, uh, so a picture of something that they can instantly call to mind that instantly sums this up uh, for them. Uh, there are various ways which you can then try and embed that. Um, some people uh, like to just kind of memorise it with having it on a bit of paper, having it on a, on a home screen, having it stuck to their, their computer. Um, uh, I like to have... Uh, uh, 
a practice in the morning of uh, uh, just kind of drowning myself and thinking, okay, why am I doing what I'm doing today? Uh, what is important to me? And um, uh, over the over the years, um, I've I've regularly. Uh, brought these things back to mind uh, so that yeah, it's not every day, not every morning, but uh, I've got a, a clear idea in my head of what my motto is, um, how that links to my, my values, my identity, my role, and what I'm about to do in that, uh, in that day. So have a reflection about the kind of things that, that you want to, to spend your time doing uh, day to day, week to week, month to month, over the course of uh, your career. Um, and have a think about then how that connects to uh, your your values, to this this guiding principle or, or motto, uh, uh, and have a think then about how that might be reflected in your day to day priorities uh, in your work. This could be about working more efficiently, so that you're spending less time in work, so that you can do more of the things that are important to you outside work, being a better dad, a better mom, um, spending more time with your parents, uh, spending more time doing your hobbies, learning re or relearning uh, an instrument, whatever it is, these things that have fallen by the wayside, that actually now when you really reflect on the course of your life, you realise are actually fundamentally important to who you are and uh, and your sense of, of progress and, um, and satisfaction. For me, being a productive researcher doesn't mean that you necessarily have to produce more. Being more productive, for me, opens up a choice. To produce more or to produce no more, but to get work-life balance. So for many of us, you're listening to these kind of tips, you're searching out this kind of material because you feel like you need to produce more, you need to be more productive, you need to progress your career more. I think for many of us, actually, we're, we're fed up of feeling like we're constantly demanded to produce more and more, being performance managed more and more. And actually, this is about working out how I can be more efficient so that I can get my work-life balance back. For me, all of these things about motivation, we're going really deep with this stuff, but for me, all of these things are about enabling you to get the efficiency which opens up that choice, to be more productive or to get more work-life balance uh, without being any less productive. Uh, and for me, that is an incredible reward if we can achieve that. Uh, I certainly feel that, that I've achieved that. Uh, and the great thing is that these incredibly productive researchers that make what I do pale into complete insignificance, all say the same thing. They've all found ways of becoming super, super efficient and at the same time, therefore, getting work-life balance. So have a reflect, have a think uh, about uh, what you can do to make sure that these empowering motives are there in front of you at all times and you've got a shortcut that can instantly take you to the core motive that is why you do what you do so that when you're in that stressful situation, when you have to make that next snap decision, you make a decision that you feel totally happy with and that you do not regret and you are happy with in the long run. So let's have a think about how to put this into practice. Um, and the obvious thing to do is for you to have a think about what is that metaphor, that image, that picture, that motto, something that is going to be a really easy to remember thing that will connect you with uh, what is fundamentally most important to you. 
Uh, and as I said, there's a kind of a stepwise process of, of doing this. Uh, you need to try and think, well, what is the role that I'm in? So I'm a researcher. Uh, you need to then think um, uh, what uh, is fundamentally the part of that role that is part of my identity. So I'm a researcher, um, and the part of my identity that this links to is that, that I am a curious being. I, 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 I've never been able to stop asking those why questions. I, I am curious. That is part of my, my identity. Uh, and then how does that link through then to your your values um, and uh, the things that, that, that fundamentally motivate you? Um, as I described earlier on, this is, for me, is, is about, it's about empathy. Uh, it's about trying to understand where other people are coming from and connecting to them in that deep way. Uh, I'm a people person, uh, essentially. Uh, and put all those three together into something that can shortcut you to uh, all of those things instantly. So you don't have to go through that process and think as deeply as you're thinking now. You've got something that just snaps into your mind that instantly takes you to this place where you know, yes, this will ultimately satisfy me. This will ultimately be something I will be happy with, I will be really pleased with in the long run. Or no, this is really gonna be something I will regret and I'm gonna resist the peer pressure, I'm gonna resist the people pleasing and all these other things that are coming to the surface in the heat of the moment and I'm gonna say no or do the right thing. So over to you, have a think about how you can connect this. Um, and hopefully you found this collection of, of three episodes on motivation uh, useful. And uh, if you want to find out more, then uh, at some point uh, this year, I haven't set a date for this yet, I will be publishing my book. The, these three have come from the second chapter of my book, um, which is uh, as pretty much as deep as we go. Uh, and from here, this is the foundation. Um, and in the rest of the book, I'm really looking at, right, how now can you build lots of really empowering techniques and ways of thinking and processes into your career, into your life that can help you to be super, super efficient.